Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, you've all heard the expression, and no doubt you've used it from time to time. Life is just too short for this. It's an expression that actually applies in a number of ways, but most especially in the truth that life is too short not to live with God at the center of it. That's the subject of our message for today, which is based on Psalm 90, a psalm all about time, and is entitled, To Count Our Days. What with everything that's been happening in our family this summer, uh, Lisa's and my parents' health concerns and the challenges of elder care, you'd think it would be enough to give me at least some perspective on the passage of time. But folks, gotta tell you, what really did me in, the final conclusive evidence as it were, was the news this week that our nephew Joshua and his wife Alex just welcomed their fourth child into the world, a beautiful little girl named Marion. That's four kids, friends, plus the two foster kids that, that they take care of. Uh, truly, uh, Josh and Alex have now become a large family, and, uh, and God's blessings to them for it. And of course, you know, once this news happened, almost immediately there were pictures being shared. That's one of the advantages of social media and private messaging and so forth. And suddenly, almost immediately, all the aunts and uncles and cousins were able to look at this newborn child. And my favorite picture that was sent around was the one of Josh holding his new daughter. It, it's a wonderful picture. Here's Marion looking, as we like to say in New England, all cute and cunning. And then there's Josh looking at his newborn daughter with a look that's very proud and loving and adoring. Truly a new dad moment. Like I said, it's a great picture. Definitely a keeper. But here's the thing. When I see Josh in that picture, I am seeing another picture taken years and years ago when Josh was a toddler himself. And it was taken right after he'd gotten caught raiding a bowl of grapes that he had found on the table. Uh, and who had uh, he had so quickly and busily shoved so many grapes in his mouth at once that when we found him, Josh sort of looked like a chipmunk storing up food for the winter. I'm sorry. There's no way that this little kid with cheeks full of grapes is old enough to have a child of his own, much less four of them. But it's true, friends. Time marches on. Thirty years go by, you make this shocking discovery that the children that one day were crawling around your feet have suddenly grown up to become adults with, with lives and families of their own. And by the way, in the process, the rest of us all the rest of us mysteriously got a bit older as well. A lot older, actually. But then that's just the way of life, isn't it? And there is, I'll confess here, a certain level of satisfaction in having gained that kind of life experience and the gray hairs that go along with it, each and every one of which I've earned, I want you to know. Now, the irony of all of this 
is that we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily agree with that assessment. We live in a culture that in fact seeks actively to ignore, avoid, and even reverse that process altogether. Now, if you don't believe me, just open up any copy of just about any magazine you can find and count the number of ads therein for cosmetics, vitamin supplements, health foods, and more. Each one of them purporting to reduce, prolong, or reverse the effects of aging. Summer actually turns out to be prime time for all of this. I wonder, for instance, how many magazines are on the supermarket racks right now that have either a picture of some bikini-clad model on the cover or else some, some man who has been fresh from a workout. And underneath, you see the words that offer the solution as to how you and I can look that tan and that fit and that young. Speaking for myself, friends, I can only say it ain't happening, but I digress. For that matter, though admittedly it's, it's sort of on hiatus in this stage of pandemic, plastic surgery is still a multi-million dollar industry in this country, and much of it is all about making those who can pay for it look younger longer. And then, of course, when all else fails, basically, we lie to ourselves about getting older, right? We all know people who have tried too long, too hard, and too obviously to live and act like they were 20 years younger than they are. Well, the power of the psalm we've shared this morning is that God does not engage in that kind of deception. It's actually kind of interesting, you know? Whereas the psalm that we read last Sunday, Psalm 91, is all about God protecting us from any and all dangers, the psalm that immediately precedes it, Psalm 90, which we heard today, is a bit of a reality check in that it gives us a keen sense of our own mortality. In fact, uh, even as I heard Kay read it just a moment ago, I was struck once again that the tone of this psalm is pretty stark. You and I, it says, are like the grass that withers. We're, we're like the flower that fades. The flower that in the morning flourishes and is renewed, but by nightfall has long since gone by. There is most definitely no sugarcoating to be found in this psalm, friends. It says right out, we might live 70 years, or perhaps 80 if we're strong. I love, by the way, how the message translates this. It says there, with luck, we might make it to 80. And what do we have to show for it? Trouble. Toil and trouble in a marker in a graveyard. Again, that comes from the message. Our years come to an end, like a sigh. Oy vey. No question about it. Like it or not, no matter how much we try to fight it, the truth remains. You and I, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow. We pass this way but once, and then only for a short time. Bottom line, or so says the psalm, our days are numbered. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking at this point. So much for that uplifting sermon I was looking for this morning. But there it is, right there in the psalm. 
The funny thing, though, about this 90th Psalm is, is that it's not primarily about us or even the frailty of our human lives. Go back, read over the words of this passage again, and you will find that this is a psalm that is mostly about the magnificent greatness of God. The message here is that while our days might be numbered, God's days are most decidedly not. Listen to this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. A thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, or, or like a watch in the night. There's a real sense of the awesome quality of God in those words. In fact, Victor Pence, one of my favorite preachers uh, over the years, he's written that in reading these first four verses of the psalm, you might get the sense that you are peering over the rim of the Grand Canyon into the vastness of God. And I think that says it very well. What's also interesting about this particular psalm is that it is titled as a prayer of Moses. And as such, it is likely one of the oldest of the psalms that we have. So, when you consider these words in the context of the history of Moses' time, you know, things like the Pharaoh and the pyramids, the Hebrew slaves who labored for generations and generations in the building of those pyramids, what you get is a sense of the power and wonder of God that far surpasses the passage of time from a human standpoint. In other words, what we find in this psalm is an affirmation of God as the God of history, as the God of prehistory, as the God of creation, and the God of eternity, the God who is truly the God from everlasting to everlasting. And honestly, I don't know about you folks, but me, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. Maybe you've heard the old story about the Jewish rabbi who's uh, having a conversation with God, and, and the rabbi says, God, is it true that a million years for you is but a second? And God answers, yes, yes, that is true. And then the rabbi asks, is it true then that a million dollars for you is but a penny? And God once again says, yes, yes, that is also true. So at this point, the rabbi pauses for a moment, and, and then finally he says, God, can I have a penny? To which God replies, sure, just a second. The point here is that God's time is different from our time. God's entire point of view is eternal and holy, broader and grander and fuller than anything you and I can even begin to comprehend. Friends, this is an important truth that we would do well to recognize. What this psalm does is to remind us that no, the universe does not revolve around us. We are not the next big thing. And in fact, where the cosmos is concerned, in the scheme of things, we are little more than a speck of dust, ultimately swept away like a dream. 
And truly, that would be kind of dismal and hopeless. Except that as tiny and as puny as, and as utterly transient as we are, it's also true that we are created in love by the same mighty God who does indeed have compassion, who satisfies us in the morning with steadfast love so that we might rejoice and be glad all of our days. What we've got here is the divine truth that while by every criteria in the universe, you and I are nothing in the Lord's eyes, we are truly something to behold. And so, the question becomes then, if our time is that short, what are we supposed to do with it? That's the prayer in the Song of Moses. Teach us, it says, to count our days that we might gain a wise heart. Or, as, as some translations put it, teach us to number our days. Which is not, by the way, to calculate how much time we have left, but rather that in this present moment, which truthfully is all that any of us are guaranteed, we might learn to live lively, a lot wisely and well. I would suggest to you this morning that, that getting a heart of wisdom begins with the conscious effort to reassess and realign the priorities of our lives with eternity's values in view. Or more simply, to live unto God's purposes in this life rather than simply our own. After all, how many times have we heard it? How many times have we said it ourselves? Life is just too short for this, right? Beloved, life is just too short not to forgive and move forward. Life is just too short not to let the people around you know how much you love them. Life is too short not to take the initiative to reach out to a neighbor or a friend. It's too short not to take the risk to help them in need. Life is too short to stay caught on an unending cycle of self-loathing and self-destruction. It's too short to let ourselves be unhappy or beaten down or burdened with ancient regrets and heartaches. Life is too short not to know what respect and, and integrity and love is all about. It's too short not to take the leap of faith to trust God to bring you through life's hardship and struggle so that you might discover its joy. Life's too short not to live that life with God at the center of things. Now, I don't know what kind of mind is driven to put this kind of thing on the internet, but did you know that there's actually a website called deathclock.org? It's actually death-clock.org. And this website will actually calculate exactly how much longer you have to live to the second. And then we'll put up a clock on your computer where every time you log on to your computer, you can just sit there and watch the seconds tick away. Now, the homepage of the site, by the way, states that this should be used for fun only. Yeah, right. And also goes on to say that this is the Internet's friendly reminder 
that life is slipping away. What it is, folks, is depressing. And I don't recommend staying on that site for very long, if at all. On the other hand, how would it be if we viewed the seconds we have left in this life as a new opportunity, a new chance to let God's work be manifest in us, to have our lives become more of an example to our children, our friends, our community, and our world. An example of God's amazing, redemptive, healing, saving power. A chance to assure that by our very efforts, everyone all around us would see that the favor of the Lord our God would be upon us, to, that the Lord would prosper for us the work of our hands. That's right from the psalm again. Wouldn't that be the kind of life we want to live? Wouldn't that be an incredible legacy for our children and our grandchildren? Wouldn't that make us the kind of Christians, the kind of church, the kind of disciples we ought to be? Life's just too short, friends, not to live that way, to not seize those moments as they come. Because like it or not, our time on this earth is ticking, ticking away. And as Benjamin Franklin once observed, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that's the stuff of which life is made. It's as simple as that. So seize the moment. Carpe diem, seize the day. And as we do, may our thanks be to the God who teaches us to count our days, to count our minutes, and even the seconds we have, so that in every passing moment, we might gain a wise heart. Once again, friends, thanks be to God for this moment and every moment we have. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled To Count Our Days. And it was recorded for our August 9th online service of worship at East Church in Concord, New Hampshire. By the way, those online services continue all through this summer. So if you're looking for a way to worship, we invite you to join with us every Sunday at 10 a.m via Facebook Live on our East Church Facebook page. In these continuing strange and uncertain days, we are finding a lot of value in coming together as God's people this way, and we'd really love to have you be a part of it. And with that, we're at the end of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. This is Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, be safe, be well, have a great summer, and may God bless you with a wonderful day each day. Talk to you soon.